Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Hey, and welcome back to uh, Oikos Ministries Facebook Live. Uh, starting a little bit early, a couple of minutes early tonight, get some of the preliminary remarks out of the way. I got a lot of ground to cover tonight. would like to make sure we cover all the technical things we have to deal with before we jump right into the me- message. Uh, as I said, this is Oikos Ministries. I'm your host, Terrell Abair. Uh, we're teaching through uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. Our subject is called strongholds, pulling down strongholds. And uh, if you've missed any of this, would like to catch up on it, you could certainly do that on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com. You could go on there and literally you can go through audio, video, um, podcast, YouTube's, all this kind of stuff. We got all kind of avenues that you can listen to this, uh, these teachings. We're getting tremendous feedback and results from them. Uh, we're seeing great things happen in our house churches right now because of these teachings. And, uh, I'm just grateful for them. And so, uh, to me, it's, I just prayed just a few moments ago and I was praying that, you know, this, this subject of demon possession is kind of like the elephant in the room in our generation. Uh, the Bible, the New Testament is literally loaded with Jesus casting out demons. But when we deal with it in America, we act like that doesn't exist and that it doesn't happen to people. And then even worse than that, people think that as a Christian, you can't get a demon. And so we have this de facto once saved, always saved that goes on. And uh, basically, we're dispelling those myths. So if you have any questions about it, go back to the original teachings on this, follow through with it. Uh, I, I believe they'll bless you and uh, answer any questions. We're not going to recover that ground tonight. Uh, but so I want to reread our text. Let's get right into it. In 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6, the Apostle Paul, defending his own apostleship, said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And so the warfare in the head, the warfare in the mind, the warfare against demonic arguments that come against everything you know about God to dispel those voices and to, to stop the demonic from influencing uh, is calls for a strong relationship with the word of God. And literally it could bring every thought into obedience, into captivity to obey Christ. And so again, another myth dispel that Christians, uh, you know, we're, we can't, be walk in a perfection or in an obedience because we're always going to sin. We're always going to fall short. I just don't believe that it doesn't in my Bible doesn't say that my Bible talks to me about victory in Christ and overcoming the wicked one. And so when we deal with this idea on second Corinthians 10, 
and the warfare that's going on. Last week we talked about the arguments in the head, the vain imagination. We went thoroughly into that. Now, when we talk about an argument, arguments in the head, we're talking about an exchange of words, an exchange of ideas. Uh, there are the demonic ideas trying to cause us to not believe what God has plainly said. This is the warfare. This is the battle. It's to cause you to disobey, not believe, um, literally uh, uh, not trust, no faith. Uh, so unbelief, uh, uh, believing in lies, uh, abandoning truth, all these things are the fallout from it. Now, there's a great passage. One of the things that Jesus commanded us to do is cast out devils, not brush them away, not shoo them out of here, not brush them off. Literally, he told us to cast out devils. Okay, and this is a uh, there's a forcefulness involved in this command, uh, although it's nonviolent, but it is very forceful. And so when we understand this, and that's what we're going to try to deal with tonight, if you turn with me to Matthew 18, I'm mean, excuse me, Matthew at chapter 8, Matthew the 8th chapter, we're going to start in the 16th verse, just a couple of verses of scripture. He says, and when evening, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, this is a mouthful, folks. And I want to just kind of walk through these passages with you. And it says when the evening was come, I don't think there's big uh to do about it is pretty much says what it says. When the evening time had come, uh, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. Now, I want you to see this. They brought many who were possessed with devils. I believe personally, when a person has been afflicted by devils, when a person is possessed by a devil, and when they are coming to a place where a stronghold has occupied them so much, that they don't have control in certain areas of their life. You better understand one thing. They will need help coming to someone to bring deliverance to them. Uh, my old mentor, brother Jim Clark, uh, told me that in 80% of the cases of deliverance, and he was powerful in deliverance. I watched him do it numerous times. And the fact is that when, when, uh, he would, uh, when an appointment was made that a person would come in for deliverance, 80% of the time, that person would not show up 80%. Now, let me say that if, if brother Clark said 80%, he wasn't just throwing some number out there. Like he felt like it was, a, I, believe me, if brother Clark said it was 80% of the time, he already did the numbers. He, he crunched them. You can bet on that. Brother Clark was very accurate when he said stuff like that. And so when you see this idea that people will not come, everything in that, that demon is going to convince that person not to go. I'm telling you. That demon will talk to the person and say, don't go where you could get help. They'll rationalize. They'll go to reasonings of medical and science and 
boy, we can get the oppositions of science working wonderfully. That doesn't happen anymore. We're Americans. We, we have, you know, we, people don't get demon possessed. That happens somewhere in third world countries somewhere. No, you see, our demons wear three piece suits and, uh, and, and they, uh, they, a matter of fact, most of our demons are jumping pews and saying hallelujah. And a lot of them are behind the pulpits, but that's another subject. But the point is that when we start looking at the sophisticated American devils, you're talking about, uh, look, and, and, and let me just be frank with you. We're in a generation of absolute biblical illiteracy. When I tell you the knowledge of God's word is so barren right now, people just don't know the Bible. And when they do, it's just select cherry picked verses of how much God loves you. And that's about it. That's most of it is just regurgitated from what they've heard from a pulpit or Caleb or something that's uh, only positive, only encouraging. Most people don't understand. If you look closer at this, when the evening was come, they brought, they brought, they brought them, they led them, they carried them, they compelled them. All these words fit in there. They did what it was necessary to get the people to the deliverer. Okay. Now, I want you to know something. You say, well, Jesus is our deliverer. Yes, he is. Well, let me tell you what Jesus told us to do. The first commandment in, in the book of Mark, chapter 16, in my name, they will cast out devils. I mean, first thing he said when he sent out his disciples, he said, uh, heal the sick, cast out, cleanse the leopard, cast out devils. It was a it was an absolute command. And when they when they came back, they said, even the demons obey us. And so when we look at the idea that believers were sent and commanded to engage on this front to cast out devils. Now, look carefully at this this passage. He says in verse 16, when the evening was come, they brought unto him Jesus many. Now, I want to deal with that many. I mean, poly many. That's the Greek word poly. Lots of them. And I think what that that word describes that this was a common problem in that day. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is a common problem in this day. Most of what we're calling medical problems is literally demon possession. You understand, I am not joking here. I'm not, I'm not just making up. I'm not trying to even be weird about this. I'm just telling you matters of fact. What the Bible called demon possession in many cases, we've medicalized it. We put names on it to make it sound like, oh, it's not your fault. You have this or this. Let me just back up to something. I want to back way up to the fall of man. Just a very brief statement. God told Adam in the day that you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the day you eat, you shall surely die. Now, the fact is the Bible in the New Testament tells us the wages of sin is death. We know that Adam sinned and it brought death into the world and death passed to all men. Now, I will tell you this also sickness, disease, infirmity and even demon possession are incipient death. Left uncured, these things will absolutely kill you. OK incipient death. We need to understand that terminology. And if we understand that in the old covenant, there was an expectation that when the conditions of covenant were met, there was healing. King David expected, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You forgive all my 
iniquities and you heal all of my infirmities. Now, in the Old Testament, King David would proclaim with absolute confidence that he healed all my iniquity. Uh, he forgave all my iniquity and healed all my infirmities. Now, most Christians believe God forgives everything. Most people believe God forgives everything. Just ask him to forgive. And I believe God will forgive. Look, he's a good God. He will forgive. Now, the bottom line is that what do we believe he will heal our infirmities? And we want to look at this carefully because these all blend together. When evening was come, they brought unto him, unto Jesus, many who were possessed with devils. They were under the power of a demon spirit, demonized. They were literally under the power of a demon spirit. If I say to a person, hey, just let's just take a common biblical phase phrase. Fear not. God didn't make explanations. He didn't do anything. And literally, most of the time when he said fear not, you go, really? Armies are staring at him. Fear not. Huh? Two words. Fear not. No explanation. No uh, apologetics. No exegetic teachings. None of all that. Fear not. Well, that really cool that right down, God. We understand that God just said, fear not. But we see that people are driven by fear right now like never before. And fear has many avenues. And when we understand this, that the devil's modus operandi is deception. He wants to deceive you. If he can get you deceived, then he can make you afraid. If he can bring you into fear, literally he owns you. And you will be possessed by a devil. If I tell a person, listen, um, they say, look, I'm having a problem with pornography. If I say, well, don't do that. Well, I can't help it. Then you're possessed. I'm having a problem with drugs. Stop. Well, I can't. You're possessed. The Bible tells me whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report. I don't think I've got them all in order right there, but he says, if, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, my Bible commands me to think on wholesome thoughts. He said, I can't do that. You're possessed. Oh, you're going too far with that. No, I'm not. As a matter of fact, I don't know if we've gone far enough. As a matter of fact, we have left the elephant in the room untouched. We have allowed demonization to literally occupy people all over our churches, and we've done nothing about it. We've done nothing to drive the devil out. He says, and they brought unto him many. This was a common problem of demonization. And look, Hollywood has done a number on this to where everybody's supposed to look like Reagan on the exorcist throwing up, you know, people are, well, they threw up, but we haven't delivered service, so we need to get some throw up bags. Uh, look, I've, I've cast a lot of demons out of a lot of people. I ain't seen nobody throw up yet. Well, you not done it right. No, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you get somebody with enough crying and dry heaving when you're working them up into emotion. And I'm going, <laughs> it's airline sickness bags. all the way. Come on, man. Look, the drama on this is off the chain. I'm talking about literally seeing a person's mind, emotion set free from a demonization, a possession, driving the demon out. Having control over your actions, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's what the Bible says. 
And you say, well, this is just not something we could do. You don't understand the power of grace then. If you think grace is to cope with all that, then you are delusional. You don't understand grace. Grace is not so you can be coping. My Bible teaches me that grace is about freedom and liberty. You're not free and in liberty if you're under the control of a demon spirit. It's not liberty so you can go get drunk or drink or, or, or you can sin and do your pet spin or you can blow off the handle and, and, and cuss and, 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 you know, have you some beers and, and, and look at a little, uh, porn or whatever you want to do. I, that ain't what grace is about. Grace is for you to have the victory over these things. Wow. They brought unto him many who were possessed with demons. Now look at this next part. And he cast out the spirits with his word. This is what this is why I've taken this verse in particular. He cast out devils with his word. I believe the greatest strength on deliverance is the Bible itself. The word of God. Understand that the demonization takes place that you've succumbed to a lying argument. That's what the demonization is about. You literally have succumbed to a lie from the devil. And in succumbing, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. The devil, you're just like that. That's just part of it. Your, your mom was like that. Your daddy was like, everybody just like that. That's how you are. That's just, ain't nothing you can do about it. You just, you're saved by grace. And don't you worry about that. There's no condemnation. Don't you worry about that. And here you are in bondage to that lie. That's it. And so the argument in the mind that second Corinthians tells us about the argument of demonized words, demonic words that are literally undermining and undercutting. Has God truly said you you're not really going to die? You're going to be like God. You're going to know the difference between good and evil. And so he undermines it and said, look, that old silly spiritual best. That, that, that's not it. The knowledge of good and evil has set us free from all this uh, 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 nonsense about God. That's demons talking to you, man. They undermine everything you know about God, everything the word of God tells us. And so what's wonderful is the antidote is the word of God. I love this. In the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was with God and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. By who? By the word. How did he do that? God said word and he said, let there be light. The word of God is literally personified. The word was made flesh and we beheld his glory and his name is Jesus he is the word of God. And so you and I have been given the authority, which is the right. We have been commissioned with the right to do this and given the dunamis, which is the power to do this, that in the name of Jesus, we can cast out devils. We have been given the word. There is no salvation any other than the name of Jesus Christ. I love the name. There's power in the name. There's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that name is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every devil will bow. It's people we're having a problem with in the current time. 
devils have lost their footing because now all they have is deception and delusion to stop you from believing. And we have the truth of God's worth. And listen, truth, the word of truth. Jesus is the word of God. He is the truth and the truth will make you free, not set you free. It says, go look at your Bible, make you free. I like that. Boy. There's a big distinction between set and make. And so God is wanting to make you free tonight, but quit believing your lie. That's the first thing you ought to do is just say, man, I have been lied to and I bought into it. He, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils and he cast out the spirits, the devils with his word. Now, when we talk about casting out the Greek word ekbalo, the cast out, it has a violent connotation to it. Not that it's, um, not that we're going to actually use physical violence, but there's a forcefulness involved in this. Whether, and look, sometimes it does say violence. Sometimes you've got to get pretty stern here to get these things going. But when we look at this issue of, of, of the forcefulness of the word of God and coming at this thing with everything you can. And I'm going to say this about it right now. Let me tell you, the Bible tells me to try the spirits, test the spirits, whether they be of God. I learned this years ago that, you know, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord is of God. Every spirit that confesses not is not of God. It's Antichrist. And so, you know, you'd say, confess to me that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Now, I've done that and literally had demonic manifestations. But let me tell you the dis difference here. People can lie to you. There are people who are totally used to saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Demonized to the core. But they will tell you Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. People say it all the time. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. Beer guzzling, dope smoking, fornicating, cussing, not one, what, not one even little iota of a, a, a fruit of change, of repentance, of salvation. None. Zero. But because they said that, they parroted what they were told to parrot. They feel like they're on that good ground and you cannot question that, which is also demonization. And so, uh, when we look at this idea of pushing the issue on that testing the spirit, sometimes you got to get the person in the spirit of what they're dealing with. I was dealing with a demon possessed man one time and uh, he was talking about how he beats his women, how he, he'd like to have them worship him. And, and this man would tell you that Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior. He would he would tell you he, he could talk in tongues. How about that? He talk in tongues. I mean, he had the whole. Uh, program rehearsed. He knew how to do it all. And uh, after a while, they uh, someone asked me, said, well, Terrell, what do you think about this guy? What do you think? Because they kept asking him, is Jesus Christ, your Lord? Is Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior? And I said, uh, they said, what do you think? I said, I think he got a sissy demon in him. And he likes to whip women. He ought to try to whip this preacher one time. Well, we got the spirit up. This spirit could not confess that Jesus Christ was Lord. Matter of fact, he threw a Coke bottle, hit me right here. You say, you see, you're like the sons of Sceva. They beat you up. No, he didn't beat me up. He jumped on me, but I got him by the throat. My arm was about six inches lower than his arm. And it was just getting good to me to choke his juggler out. 
it was got violent. If it get, if I'd have had my, I was sunk back in a couch if it wasn't for that because I was still thirty something. Boy, it would have been fun. I said I whipped this dude any day, but I could I couldn't get out of the couch, so I just had to hold him there and try to choke off his juggler. And while we're in the middle of this thing, he he literally he you could see his eyes just went. What is this? I said that's the demon that controls you, you spirit of antichrist. And we ministered deliverance to him. He sat there docile as could be after that. But you get the spirit up. You see, I don't need to talk to lying flesh. Because I'll tell you right, when I talk to the demon, I have ability to tell that, make that demon do it. And I don't reason with devils anymore. I don't have any dialogue with, I don't deal with all that. I just tell them, get out. Go. I don't have time to try to match wits. Well, well, what's your name? I don't care what his name is. Huh? I'll give you a name. Go to hell. That's your name. Go to hell. Get out. Come out. That's your name. That's your new name. Come out. Go to the pigs. Go somewhere else. Not in this person. So they brought unto him many who were possessed with devils and he cast out the spirit with his word. When you begin to employ the word of God and remember the sword of the spirit is the word of God. When you have the word of God and the Holy Ghost anointing is taking the word. Woo! The word of God is powerful in the hands of the Holy Ghost. And this is when the devil gets severed. This is when he gets exposed. This is when you can make him turn loose. Let me tell you, I don't try to do this stuff in the flesh. We cast out devils the way the Lord did it with his word, the word of power. And when the word of God is quick, it's living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit. See, I'm going to make the distinction between your mind, will and emotion and the demon spirit that's driving you. Simple as that. The word, the word, we can personify it with one word, Jesus. But then we get forceful with this thing. They're evasive, man. They've been doing this stuff for a long time. Maybe I'll talk to you another night about the origins of them. But right now, I just want to, some folks need to be set free. I'm convinced of this right now. Look carefully. Evening came. They brought many. Listen, some of you folks need to begin to compel your demonized friend or relative, your spouse, whoever it might be. You need to get over here and get deliverance. Some of you need to bring them. Just you need to come on. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, that's your first sign. Why don't you want freedom? Well, that's just the way I am. Well, you're a, you're a jerk. You're a creep. Well, that's just the way I am. Well, you could be, you could be born again if the demon didn't own you. That's just my personality. Hmm. I'm having to really practice restraint because folks, I've heard all these excuses. That's why most folks don't want to come around somebody who can actually help them. Take me to the doctor and he'll up my meds. He'll give me a kicker, an extra prescription to help my medicine, you know, because my, my, my medicine ain't doing enough. So he'll give me some extra medicine that helps the, the failing medicine. Yeah. Well, that'll be nice. <laughs> or you could just get delivered. Yes. Hallelujah. 
Look, he cast out the spirits with his word. I love this. Oh, brother Jim Clark. I remember he took his Bible and set it on that fella's head. <laughs> Come out of him. And that boy, them demons just like, I mean, they just could not stand having the book of God on the head of that person they'd been deceiving. And every devil in there just had to disperse. It was just a wonderful time. So I got one and I put it on the head of that lady and boy, that spit right on me. Just spit at me. <laughs> Big old spit glob dripping off. But that's all right. There he was. That's who I was looking for. That's what I was looking to come out, devil. And she don't do crack to this very day. Oh, boy. Y'all are talking tongues out there. Hallelujah. Look, it said he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. I believe there's a close association and we're going to get to this. I don't know if it'll be tonight, but we're going to get to this. Maybe just a little sample tonight. But let me tell you, there's four categories of demons. And one of those categories is physical. There's a spirit of blindness, deafness, mute. And there's a demon called a spirit of infirmity. That's a physical demon. And when we look at this idea, now these are real that we're not making them up. Oh, you got a toenail demon or you got a, uh, you got an eyelash demon or something. Well, there's, I've heard all kinds of silly stuff like that. these are Bible names that were given by the Bible for actual demonization of people. Now, when we look at these issues and drive them out, when we drive them out, some people are going to get healed because I'm telling you the spiritual will affect your, your, your physical. And if you stay in a spirit of fear long enough, and that fear could manifest in anxiety and heightened anxiety that have you running wild off the chain, or it can manifest in depression, sadness, heaviness. That's both of those are a spirit of fear. Okay. You know, bipolar. Yep. It's one polar fear. It's just one polar. You've been lied to. You're deceived. By fear. And you leave it alone and it will chemically imbalance you. That's a real problem. It's a real thing. And if you get the spirit out and you come back to normal levels of your creative order in your own physical body, your body will literally level itself back out. Somebody ought to shout victory out there. Now, let's uh, let's look at this. I want you to keep reading with me. Verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself, Jesus took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Now I know there's a lot of people out there who like to spiritualize this. You know, he spiritually did that for us. True. That's very true. He ain't talking about that. Literally. He cast out devils and healed sick people to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. Let's don't spiritualize something that the Bible's not spiritualizing. They are applying that verse to physical deliverances and healings. Don't just say, well, my spirit's okay, but the rest of me is a mess. Nope, 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 nope. Uh-uh. Baloney. Might start as a mess, but God wants to set you free. He wants to heal you. Let's move over to Isaiah 53. Let's look at this. Isaiah 53, one of the greatest passages of deliverance that there is. Old Testament. Boy, I tell you what. Uh, every time I've ever used this into a demonized person, it just really sets the, de the devils understand this verse better than people do. 
This is a shame that demons understand this passage of Scripture more than most people do. Okay, so we're in Isaiah 53. Uh, Let me just read a little bit because it's just so good. Verse 1, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I'm going to stop right there. I just want to deal with what the book of Matthew dealt with. In Matthew's gospel, he said this would fulfill. As he cast out devils and healed the sick with his word, it fulfilled the prophecy from Isaiah right here. Verses 4 through 6 in particular. Surely he has borne our grief. I want you to see that. I'm going to put my glasses on because I've got to read my own handwriting, which is terrible, which may be demonized handwriting, but it's uh, it's hieroglyphics. But even I can't interpret. So I wrote in tongues, but we're going to work this through. It says, it says, surely, OK, surely he has borne. Surely this is truly this is absolute. Surely he hath borne our grief. Born means to bear, lift up. Take away. He has carried this away from us. Now, the word for grief there is literally, I think grief is a bad translation here. It should literally say sickness. Because the root word there is sickness. Truly, absolutely, he has borne our sickness. This is so good. Surely he has borne our sickness. He has carried. Literally, he has picked it up, pulled it along. I mean, literally, he carried our sorrows, which would include the right translation would be pain, whether it be physical or mental. I got a call this morning from a dear friend, a relative tremendous testimony he lost his wife some time back i won't say who he was this man went through the fire i'm talking about he's been going through. he called me he said i got to tell you i had to call you and tell you now we prayed with this guy he's been in the fire and when i tell you his heart is broken he lost the love of his life and she was a powerful woman of god he loved his wife and it got dark for him He said, I didn't feel one good thing about God, but I wouldn't say one bad thing against him. I kept teaching Sunday school. I felt like I was hollow. As a matter of fact, I bet you they thought I was losing my mind most of the time. I wept my way through the teachings I would teach and it sounded like an empty word. He said, he said, just this week I started having dreams and visions 
And all of a sudden, God brought me to this open door. And he said, get up there and close that door. And he said, I was in my sleep, but he said, I felt myself physically walk over to this big old wooden door, big old heavy wooden door with the iron on it. He said, and God said, now close it. And he said, I felt, and he said, when I shut that door, he said, I was healed. The deliverance came to him instantly. He said, I shut that door. And he said, I came alive again. And the presence of God filled me. And he said, it's a new day. Get ready. I'm going to do a new thing. It was so tremendous to hear a testimony that literally called it back that powerfully. Uh, wow. And we were shouting and rejoicing. And sometimes we even said English words. <laughs> Glory be to God for that man's deliverance. What a mighty work. That's just tremendous to me for God to heal. And you just the darkness that's been on his mind and he's hearing everything you can hear from the devil. Yeah. And then God said, no, you're alive. Come on. It's a new day. He said the light came on and man, all the darkness and the heaviness left. And man, he's still just, I mean, he's he just shouting the victory right now. That's so awesome, man. I mean, what a change. What a, what a powerful thing. Look carefully. He is born. Our, see, the physical aspect of prolonged grief, you know, people say there's no time limit on grieving. Okay, I get that. I understand that you'll always remember you love. I, I get that. I'm not trying to force a time limit, but let me tell you this. I am trying to push for a healing. You see, because if you don't get healed, somebody said time heals everything. No, it does not. Time's a killer. Time's a greater killer than it is a healer. Time kills. Because we're all on a ticking clock. And let's face it, the clock going to expire at some point. But the point I'm driving on is this. Time will kill more than it will heal. Jesus is the healer. We need healing. And you see, if we're not healed when we've suffered great loss, I just dealt with all this in that uh, series I did just recently called Suffering Loss. We dealt with it. If you're not healed of your grief when you've suffered loss, then death's going to get too. Because you'll sorrow in a worldly way and it will work death in you. You're a goner. Remember, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy in that order. And the thief is the false prophet. He's the liar, not the devil. He's the false prophet. He's the liar. He's literally the thing in your head telling you the lie. You're not going to get any better. Nothing will make you feel any better. That was your loved one. They're not coming back. Nothing's going to make you feel better. You can't get no better. Yes, you can. Don't fixate on the temporal. Fixate on the eternal. Look at it. Okay. Surely he has. Let me catch my foot. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Look at this. He was wounded. That word wounded mean he was profaned and defiled. He was wounded for our transgressions. You know what transgression is? It means rebellion. While I'm talking about rebellion, let me just have a few minutes here on rebellion. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, the 
prophet Samuel told King Saul, he said this, he said, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. I believe right there, those two verses hold the key to all. Listen to me. They hold the key to all addictive behavior for rebellion. He said he was wounded. Jesus was defiled and profaned for our transgressions, which literally interprets rebellions. He was wounded for our rebellion. All right. Now listen to me carefully. When, when Samuel told Saul, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You understand he likened rebellion. When we rebel against the authority of God, when we rebel against the word of God, it puts you in the same category of, of a, a witch who works whatever witches work, witchcraft, the, the work of witches. And when we deal with this idea, the work of witches is guess what? The number one work of witches is to demonize. A witch wants to demonize their subject. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now wait, and it shows us another route. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And when somebody says, well, he's stubborn as a mule. Well, why don't we just say he's an idolater and he worships the God of self. Well, that ain't it. He's just stubborn. No. He's a stupid idolater. I said that on purpose. Stupid. He worships a false God and it's the God of self. He is an idolater. See, stubbornness is proof that you worship something other than God. You see, I believe that almost all drug and alcohol abuse, smoking cigarettes, the whole nine yards starts with a rebellion act. Most of it starts with teenagers wanting to defy everything in societal norms and especially our parents. <sighs> Little old teenage, teeny bopper. <laughs> we start smoking. We're going to smoke. I'm going to start smoking. <sighs> I'll show them. There you go. Get you some good old tar in the lung. That's what you need. That'll teach them. We start with rebellion. I'm going to smoke dope. I'll show them. I'm going to drink whiskey. I'm going to get drunk. I'll show them. We rebel against everything in societal norms. We even rebel against God. We rebel against everything that's good and morally right. We rebel against the things that are absolutely good for us. We rebel. We're in transgression. Jesus was profaned and defiled because of this. He who knew no sin was made to become sin for us that we who knew no righteousness might become the righteousness of God in Christ. He literally became what we, he took what you and I deserved. He literally died as an innocent victim died because we're stupid rebels. That broke my heart, folks. And if it don't break yours, it's because you're still a rebel. If that don't break your heart, that the innocent son of God died because you rebel against everything God says, 
You rebel against the authority of God's word. You rebel against your parents, your boss. You rebel against uh, 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 governments. You rebel, you rebel, you rebel. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And you're literally working witchcraft. And the deeper sin is stubbornness. Why aren't you going to do it? I don't want to. Why don't you want to? I can't answer that. I don't want to. You're just stubborn. Stubborn as a mule. What you are is an idolater. You worship something other than God. Let me tell you something. People who are fixated on addictive behavior, smoking cigarettes, uh, any, t- name any, any, any drug, any alcohol, any, any of, any of it. Let me tell you what. With a simple detoxing, you're done with the addiction. Simple detox. You're done with addiction. Why do they all go back? You never plucked up the root. You're still an idolater. Well, I still smoke cigarettes, you know. I'm through it all in my drugs, but I, I'm on Suboxone, you know. I, I got to take this. It's like heroin, but it ain't heroin. Oh, good. You're on doctor prescribed heroin. That'll help you a bunch. Smart. Now the doctor is your dope pusher. He's a doctor. You don't know what you're talking about. He's a doctor. So is Dr. Jekyll. If they ain't making you know better, why you keep listening to them? My Bible said they suffered many things from many physicians. And I can tell you right now, a lot of what I've seen doctors do, I appreciate good doctrine and good medicine, but let me tell you something. I've seen some doctors do some awful things to people. They call it practicing medicine, but they can bury their mistake and still get a paycheck. Stay with it. He was wounded for our transgressions. You see, we could gloss over that. Lots of people know this passage. But you see, a transgressor is literally a rebellion against God's authority and against all authority. You rail against anything that tells you what to do. And then you hold your ground because you're stubborn, which means you're an idolater. I believe so many people have cigarettes. So can you imagine replacing? So well, I, get, I just get nervous and I have to smoke. Well, could you imagine replacing that with a spirit of prayer? Well, I don't want it. That's stupid. That, who does? That's stupid. No, what's stupid is sucking tar into your lung and thinking that's healing anxiety. And thinking you're not going to get cancer from it. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. He was literally crushed for our iniquity, which is just the simple word for sin. By the way, the Hebrew word there is Avon. Ding dong. Avon calling. Ding dong. Sin is calling. Isn't it amazing? There is nothing coincidental about that terminology being used to sell makeup. Ding dong. Avon calling. Wow. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now I want you to listen to this definition for peace. I got so excited about it. Peace means completeness. Peace means soundness. Peace means wellness. Peace means safety. Peace means health. Peace means contentment. Wow. Jesus 
is the prince of peace. The government shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Man, when he brings this into the life as he governs your life with his authority, he brings you into God. Shalom, the peace of God, which entails all of this safety, health, completeness, wholeness. Come, Come on, man. Man, that just makes me want to just holler a little bit. And so many right now are duped. You think, well, if I have me a glass of wine, it'll take the edge off. If I have me a few beers, I'm going to drink me a few beers when I get home and even so I can relax. You ain't relaxing. You become an alcoholic. You're hardening your arteries. You're turning them into brittle PVC pipes that are about to bust and wide open. It's worse than can- literally alcohol is just as bad as can- uh, cigarettes for cancer. You're literally killing yourself. People are just go to the grocery store. Every every buggy in there slapped full of some kind of alcohol. Well, it's legal. Who legalized it? I don't even care that it says it's legal. I mean, if they make eating dog poo illegal, are you going to eat that too? We well, have to develop a taste for. It. Have you ever drank some of this stuff? You go, your whole body goes into a little seizure. You got to develop a taste for a scotch. You got to develop a taste. Yeah, you. I mean, come on, man. Drink unleaded fuel and develop a taste for it. Good grief. Develop a taste for something your whole being rejects. Yeah, that's a great idea. Here, smoke this pot. It'll relax you. It's good stuff, man. It's wonderful. All my old dope smoking friends are dropping dead like flies. Poor as a church. I mean, literally can't even ain't got enough money to feed their pit bull. Because they spent it all on the dope dealer and alcohol. Look like five miles of bad road. Help me now. Literally. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Look, there's so many of you seeking peace in a reefer, in a, in alcohol. You're seeking peace in, 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 in some lust and fulfilling some, some sin. Let me tell you, there's peace in Christ. He's the Prince of Peace and he'll settle your insides. He'll settle your thoughts. He'll literally bring you into a calm, into a tranquility inside. Come on, my peace I give you. My peace I leave you. Be not afraid. I don't give it to you. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Come on, man. God wants to give you the peace. I remember I, I was, a look, the reason I know so much about drugs that I, I was that guy. I was sitting in there and that, pre, that preacher, he mentioned every sin I just mentioned. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, somebody, he must know I'm here. And he said, you need peace. And when that preacher said peace, every light of God came on in my heart. I said, oh, to have peace. <clears throat> I believe there's somebody out there who wants peace right now. You need the word of God 
to drive the demonic delusion that has deceived you out of your thinking. <coughs> Truth will make you free. I'm trying to violently expel this with the word of God. He sent his word and he healed them. The book says in Psalms, I think 107, he sent his word and healed them. He cast out devils by his word. Jesus is the word. The word made flesh. The word lives inside of me. I read his word and now I'm giving you his word, hopefully expelling Something in your head that's been lying to you, bringing you captive to the devil. I want to tell you, I want you set free and cause your thoughts to be captive to Christ. Hallelujah. He, he, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The whipping the, literally the beating of our peace. Can you imagine those Roman soldiers hitting him with rods? They stuck that crown of thorns and then began to hit him in the head with those sticks, those rods. They weren't under Jewish law. They could do anything they wanted to to him. They mangled his flesh. They did everything they could to make it as painful and as grueling of an ordeal as they could. Why? Listen, it was all the fury of God being poured out on the innocent son of God. The Bible says, read a little further in Isaiah. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why? God's not sadistic. He pleased him to bruise him because through this, he would literally make intercession for the transgression. How did he make intercession? At the cross. It was the ultimate intercession. What Jesus went through is exactly what God wants you to feel because of what you're doing to him. And let me tell you this, without repentance, you'll feel it for eternity in a place called the lake of fire. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Look at that. We are healed. This is literally telling us that through the new covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the new covenant, there's healing. Come on, man. There's forgiveness of sin. The wages of sin is death. And there's healing for incipient death, the things that bring us to death. God wants to heal some people tonight. He wants to heal you mentally, emotionally, physically. He wants to heal some people. But again, you've got to let truth make you free. The forceful word of God. You don't need some namby-pamby preacher standing back there telling you, God loves you and he's got a plan for you. That ain't what you need right now. Does God love? Yeah, God loves you. The foregone conclusion. If you need to hear that a hundred times a day, there's something very, very, very wrong with your whole being. If the only thing you can listen to is that God loves you, something is so wrong, you're warped. As a matter of fact, did anybody ever out there think of what cause and effect happens when you tell a, a narcissist that God loves them? Well, as well, he should. Why, why wouldn't he? I'm so wonderful. I had a guy comment on our 
teachings from last week. He said, first, when I see God, first thing I'm going to do is tell him, you owe me an apology. I didn't answer him. You just don't answer that kind of stupidity. I promise you, well, the first thing you're going to do is bow your knee. Your, your legs are going to be shaking worse than the scarecrow and the wizard. You're going to fall apart and you will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And then he'll send you to hell with the demons that drive you. The hell was only, the, see, the lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for people, but it has enlarged itself to receive people as well. And they will literally burn forever in a lake a fire without light, a darkness so thick you can feel it, an unquenchable fire, and a living worm that lives inside of there that torments the flesh. Oh yeah, there will be flesh. There will be flesh that can live forever, that cannot die in a body. God will prepare a body that will allow you to suffer the eternal damnation that's worthy, that you're, that's due for you because you reject His salvation. I don't like no God like to go ahead and help yourself. Don't like him. Get your pocket knife out and whittle you a new God. That's what most folks do. Make up your own God. Ignore the Bible. You're going to be sadly mistaken. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. You see, there are folks who just literally are carving out their own way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Not a way. He is exclusive. He excludes any other God, any other way, any other religion, any other thought. Jesus is exclusively, not inclusive. He is exclusive. See, Pope. Uh, Francis is over there trying to negotiate with uh, all the Abrahamic world, the Jewish, the, the Muslim, all, all include. Oh, we, we're all of Abrahamic faith and there's many ways to God. Nobody. There's going to be 2.2 billion sad, sad Roman Catholics and another couple billion sad, sad Muslim. And I don't know how many Jews. And by the way, the Bible says that the Jew is our enemy concerning the gospel. Don't talk to me about a, he's a messianic Jew. Well, then that makes him a Christian, not a Jew. He's messianic. I, shut up with that. That's just a dumb phrase. You're either a Christian or you're a Jew. He's a messianic Jew. You're not going to practice both. You're going to go to hell practicing both. Oh, well, did I say that out loud? Yeah. So, Go back to our Matthew 8. I think this is such a powerful word. I couldn't let it go this morning. It got all over me when I read this passage. It says, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with a devil. Have you ever considered why you can't control your thoughts, your emotions, your actions? Why you make dumb decisions all the time? Have you ever considered why you're always sick? Have you ever considered? Is there just a possibility 
that something else is controlling you? Have you immersed your mind in the knowledge of good and evil? Do you watch TV all the time and YouTube all the time and scroll all the time and Facebook all the time? Is that what you do to feed your head? More than likely, something else is controlling you. Now, let me say this to the loved ones out there. If you're living in the same house with a demon-possessed person who is making your life miserable, you need to do all you can to compel that person to get to somebody who can bring deliverance to them. I would suggest you don't bring them to your local church because most of them, I'm just sorry, most of them are going to say God's going to love you and have a plan for your life and you should get to a doctor and take some medicine. If they're telling you that, tell them to shut up and go somewhere else. Don't take them there. You're going to bring confusion. Bring them to someone who believes that Jesus Christ can set you free. I ain't the only one. There's plenty of them out there. Get them to somebody who will look a demon right now and say, come out and not back up. Okay. When the evening was come, they brought him many. Some of you need to bring your demon possessed loved one to someone who can bring deliverance to them. Bring them to a person of anointing and power who believes God's word. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. I'm praying for you. We're praying that these messages are literally just exposing the demons and literally breaking some strongholds right now. If you want to get these strongholds broken in your life, it's going to call for a deliverance in many cases. So that's it for tonight. God bless you. We love you. We're praying for you and your deliverance. Good night. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.